Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is episode 271. I am your host, Ralph Burns. And this week, we have a dual episode where we first talk with Aaron McPherson, who is the general manager at Scalable Agency, with an update on what we're doing here at Perpetual Traffic, what they are doing to grow their agency. And then we're going to get into some what's working now with Angela and five different strategies that we've used in the tale of two ad accounts. One scaling to the moon right now, and the other one still struggling, but it's early. So I'm here with Aaron McPherson, General Manager of Scalable Agency, and wanted to let you guys in on some of the strategies that she has been doing behind the scenes to scale up the Scalable Agency. First off, you probably as a professional traffic listener, wondering what the heck the Scalable Agency actually is, but also some of these ninja strategies that you might actually see us using here inside Perpetual Traffic but Aaron has been using for quite some time to increase traffic to their site and boost engagement, boosting content, as well as getting more customers for the agency and uh, wider viewership and listenership of all the podcasts that Scalable Agency has responsibility for. So welcome to Perpetual Traffic here, Aaron, and uh, very interested to hear what you've been doing behind the scenes. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to be on Perpetual Traffic, and I'm really excited about what Perpetual Traffic has been doing with content. Scalable Agency is an agency that is essentially owned by the same company as Digital Marketer and Scalable.co and all of the other entities that Digital Marketer is associated with, such as Perpetual Traffic. And we are the creative agency behind the content, behind those sites. And I have been working at the agency for about six months, which is crazy because it feels like it's been a lot longer because of the quarantine and everything. I literally started and then everything went home. We all went home and we all started over. But before that, I spent about 15 years working for another creative agency, working with big brands. And the big focus I've always had is how content can drive perpetual traffic. So that's what we've been working on. And that's very appropriate because that just so happens to be the name of this show, Perpetual Traffic. I know. Ironic, right? Yeah. So I think uh, the listeners here are, will be interested in seeing how we use some of these strategies to market perpetual traffic. And we'd love to have you on the show multiple times to sort of you know, open up the kimono a little bit. If you have a podcast out there and you're trying to reach a wider audience or you have a business that is using content to reach a wider audience and obviously get more traffic to your site, I think some of the things you guys have been doing here would be very valuable to the listeners here. I think so too. I'm really excited to, first of all, to learn how to do this and to get better at it myself, but also to see how these strategies can work and come into play. And I think the pillar that we're all operating under is that 
great content that truly impacts business and truly gives people what they're looking for is the key to any successful podcast slash website slash any other business. And so we're just really working hard to come up with ideas for amazing content, both in the podcast, you know, what we're saying, but also backup content, tools and lead magnets and downloadables and articles that can support people who are listening and trying to grow their traffic. Yeah, and especially now, I think there's been such a shift, and we've certainly seen this in our business, a shift towards more direct response types of advertising. And that's been the huge growth in the last six months is that end of the advertising spectrum, direct response businesses that formerly had offline businesses. Now, all of a sudden, oh, that little Shopify store that I sold maybe a couple of hundred dollars to, you know, pre-pandemic now is the thing that's driving their business. And none of that happens without traffic. And traffic can be paid. Traffic can be free, I suppose, through SEO, although you pay for it in time. Or it can be through just solid content that you distribute to a wider audience. And this is a big issue now. And I think the world is a different place than it was six months ago when it comes to traffic, advertising, any way you can actually boost engagement. And it really does all start with just being useful and helpful and providing a lot of good, high valuable content that maybe you've done on your own or some tactic that maybe somebody else doesn't know about. And then teaching the world how to do the very same thing. And that's how you create listenership and followership. So really interested to, to hear a continuing conversation here of how you've been able to do it with Scalable and super excited to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm really excited to start talking about these topics as well. You're right. I feel like there's been a big shift from six months ago, but it's interesting. I'm seeing some things that I saw 15 years ago starting to come back, which is another interesting thing. I was thinking the other day, about, it was probably 2006, 2007, I was working for Nickelodeon and we were, we ran this parenting website and Ragu was our biggest advertising client. And they were just putting like regular old banner ads. You think about like the old websites that it looked like Las Vegas and they had these flashing ads everywhere. And they were putting these banner ads for spaghetti sauce all over our site. And one day they came to us and they said, we're thinking about putting recipes and coupons on our website. And we're wondering how you could drive to that instead of just to these banner ads that are like, go buy Ragu. And our team got together and we pitched them the idea of kind of running recipes and activities even that had, you know, like use the jar from your spaghetti sauce to make a flower pot, those types of things. And they kind of said, okay, we'll put it to the test. And they tested the idea of banner ads versus these spaghetti sauce crafts and these spaghetti sauce recipes. And in the end, we were able to drive a lot more traffic to their site and to their content from our content than from just the banner ads. And I think that switched to them. Suddenly they were like, we want to buy all the content. We want to buy all of it, made that shift. And so come about 2010, everyone was buying content. Everyone was doing content. And then it switched kind of back to direct response and it's going to kind of swing back and forth. But I'm going to be really interested to see how we can follow those trends, but also how we can create content that makes people really want to buy. Yeah, and that's how you get attention is by engaging your audience. And it's it's interesting in the advertising world, you know, what's old is now new again, or what's new was the old stuff, however you want to, you know, phrase that. It's so true. I mean, human behavior doesn't really change all that much, it just kind of goes in cycles. And I think we are definitely in a direct response, grab the attention of the viewer, of the listener and make sure that your content is really valuable to them. And oh, by the way, 
if you want to pitch a little bit at the end, that's perfectly okay as well. And always give people an opportunity to buy, but you're going to get their attention not by telling them to buy. You're going to get their attention by providing something useful to them. And then by extension, they end up buying. And I think a lot of companies are figuring that out right now. And we've certainly seen that inside our ad agency. It's a tremendous thing to see. And, you know, I mean, the advertising world is different now than it was six months ago, and, but it won't ever be the same ever again. So uh, really cool stuff and, and looking forward to hearing more about it. It's really just exciting to think about how providing that great value and that great content can really drive sales for everyone. And I think it's going to be really interesting to discuss these topics over the coming months and also just the changes and how you're like you said, human behavior doesn't change, but it also can. So let's see what we can do. Well, looking forward to hearing more. Now let's get to Angela. I am joined this week with the awesome VP of Media Buying at Tier 11, none other than Angela Ponsford. Welcome back to Perpetual Traffic. Hello, Ralph. Glad to be here again. And today we're going to be talking about sort of a study in contrasts with two different e-commerce companies, both who have sort of an information side to their business. So, this actually will apply to a lot of different types of industries, not just e-com, but also if you're in the info space, you're selling digital products, you're selling knowledge, it'll definitely apply to you as well. And it's sort of a tale of two ad accounts, one of which has been with us for over two years now, I believe. They've been with us for quite some time. Another one that's been with us for a little bit less than two months and very different results that they're getting right now with Facebook ads, especially on the e-commerce offers, which we're going to be focusing in on a lot on this week's show. But the one who's been with us for over two years started off very similarly to the one who just started two months ago. So sometimes it takes a little bit to kind of get your mojo on Facebook and dial it in and perhaps listen to your agency with communications between yourself and your media buying group and your creative folks and all the people that you work with inside an agency or your own staff to really dial in your offers so you can really scale on Facebook and Instagram ads. We're going to be going through that, deconstructing that a bit here today with the tale of two ad accounts with very different results right now, one being exceedingly awesome and the other one struggling a bit to find its foothold in the market. But I think this is really a study for everyone who's ever run Facebook ads saying that Facebook ads don't work for whatever reason, because it's not necessarily the ad. A lot of times it's the business itself. And we're going to get into that here on today's show in great detail for you on episode 271. So uh, one of the things I think we love to talk about here when uh, Angela comes on the show is what she's seeing managing tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of advertising uh, on a year-to-year basis. And what are you seeing right now, especially we're coming out of, we're sort of still in this coronavirus situation. It's the fall now. Kids are going back to school. I just sent my two boys back to college. Thank God. Hope they stay there. There's a lot of turbulence in the market right now still, but what are you guys seeing? What's sort of the big thing with performance, with other things that you've noticed? One thing we're seeing across quite a few accounts right now is a lot of view through conversions. So a a couple of things, a lot of view through conversions and 
also high frequency at level one traffic. And, you know, our level one traffic is our code audiences, large, you know, often, you know, upwards of 20 million of an, in an audience, but getting super high frequencies on low spend. And I think the, the two of them are related. And it's be, it seems to be an issue right now with the algorithm finding new people for, you know, quite several of our customers is an issue we're seeing. So if it's not something that you've ever checked before in your accounts, you can go and check when you go into your column view in, in Ads Manager. You can actually look to see the different attribution levels. It's it's in the column view. It's on the right hand side. Right, if you scroll right down to the bottom, you can select like your like one seven or twenty eight day view and click views. So the the default view that you will be looking at in Ads Manager, if you didn't do change anything, that's a twenty eight day click one day view. That's just the the default results that you see in Ads Manager. But if you want to dive a bit deeper, if you have been struggling to you know to kind of get results, dive in and have a look at what kind of level of view through attributions you're getting on your ads because we're, we're definitely seeing an increase for you know quite a few customers um, at the moment so we've spoken to Facebook about it where you know we're we're trying different things in the accounts to see if we can reduce the number of view throughs that we're getting in some accounts one account in particular you know we're seeing upwards of 50 percent view throughs on all levels of traffic and for those of uh, our listeners who aren't managing millions of dollars a year in Facebook ads, explain to us a little bit the difference between view through and click through conversion and why it's so important and how it's affecting results and maybe even which types of customers are more prone to this occurring. Maybe explain that just a, a little bit deeper. The main accounts that we're seeing it in, the similarity with those accounts is that they have a very strong organic search presence. So they're generally a brand that is fairly well known or they're really, really strong on their SEO and search game. So people are finding the website through Google search or branded search. They're not coming to the website from Facebook. And so the majority of people that are hitting that pixel are not Facebook traffic. And what we think is happening is then that is kind of, it's almost like the algorithm's confused as to who to show ads to. And it's it's just defaulting to showing ads to the same people over and over repeatedly. It's just showing ads and cycling through the same people. So on Facebook, one of, one of the good things about Facebook, which is, you know, a bit different from Google, is you can see those view through conversions. You know, Google is only going to show you click conversions. So, you know, if you're in Google Analytics and you're looking at the stats in there, you're only seeing click anything that's that's happened as a result of a click. Facebook will show you if someone views a video. I think I do this quite often, you know, like if I'm on my mobile, I might see an ad or, a, you know, even an image ad or a video. I'm a bit old school. I generally don't buy things off of my mobile, but I might take a screenshot of it. And then when I'm back at my laptop, I'll go and check it out. That would be like a view through. So I've not actually clicked on the ad. But then I've gone to the website myself independently and maybe bought something. Facebook can still track that as a view. So that's the kind of difference between your view through and your click through conversions. Where it's becoming an issue, as I say, in in Facebook ads is if the level of view throughs is way higher than your click throughs. That's abnormal. You know, that that's not a not a normal thing to see in ad accounts. So it's it's a sign that, okay, maybe there's something up. Maybe is it people that would already be converting? You know, is Facebook just showing the ad to someone that would have converted already? Because you often get a lot of view through in e-commerce dynamic retargeting ads, so DPA ads. Quite often you will get view through there. 
but when you're seeing it at level one, it's yeah, it's definitely a sign that, okay, we need we need to be working to try and make sure we're hitting cold audiences, that we're hitting new new levels of traffic, because that's the only way you're going to grow your business is if you're continually hitting new people and getting new people aware of your brand. And and usually as a percentage, I mean a view through versus a click-through conversion, if you do the breakdown inside ads manager reporting, it shouldn't be 50-50. It should be no. a much lower percentage for view through. I mean, typically yeah. it's anywhere from maybe five to 10%, maybe 15, maybe 20%. Yeah. But if you're seeing 50% alongside higher frequency for cold traffic audiences, this is something that you need to really investigate. And it, with frequency, I mean, frequency is probably one of those metrics that we look at almost last in a lot of cases. And I think a couple of our media buyers figured this out you know, we were on a, a group call a week or two ago. We even went back into accounts that we didn't really even look at this for because if our CPAs or our ROAS goals are in line, well, then we don't really look at frequency quite as much. But even in the ad accounts that were doing fairly well from a reaching the KPI of the customer goal, we did see increases in frequency for a number of our cold traffic audiences, which is basically meaning that Facebook is really hyper-focusing on a certain subset of that 10 million person audience. And you can kind of look at this inside your impressions, your reach, as well as frequency and the breakdowns. It's typically, it's the first couple of columns and the default view when you go into ads manager, especially if you're, you're under performance. So you have that sort of automatically, you might have to throw in frequency just to sort of make sure, but they're always good metrics to have in front of you. So if you're targeting a 10 million person audience, we might see frequency of maybe 100,000 people or a, a reach of 100,000 people, but impressions of 300,000, meaning that's the frequency of 3x or a frequency of 3 out of a 10 million person audience. Facebook is really focusing on a very specific subset of that cold traffic audience. And that's something that's different than what we've seen just weeks ago really. And we're not sure why it's happening. It could be that, as we say, the algorithm's confused, but if you want to scale your business, you're not going to be able to scale your Facebook ads if you're getting higher and higher frequency and you're only showing it to the same people. So, you know, it is an important factor if you are wanting to spend more, if you are getting good, you know, you have been getting good results, you want to spend more on your ads, you have to be on top of those kind of metrics in Ads Manager. And that's even with exclusions for warm traffic audiences, customer yep. audiences, lead audiences, you name it. This isn't just like we do do exclusions in there as well, which you can easily exclude those custom audiences, which, you know, I mean, say what you will about that. But even with that out of there, we're still seeing this as a trend. So it's something to definitely keep an eye on. And obviously, at the end of the day, it's about your your target goals for your ad accounts. But this might be an early warning indicator that you might need to either change up messaging, change out some of your audiences, or in one case where we started with a new customer, we swapped out the entire ad account. Brand new ad account we started to try and see if we could get better results in a different ad account without any of the previous learning. So, I mean, a secondary metric, but something that we've noticed whether or not there's a change inside the algorithm. And keep in mind, the algorithm is constantly updating and every single day it becomes smarter and smarter knowing, well, thinking that it knows where to show your ads and which audiences, uh, especially the cold traffic audiences, the ones that don't know who you are. And if you have exclusions in there as well, 
overall, keep an eye on your frequency metrics as well as your impressions and reach for sure. So let's get into, this directly relates to one of these ad accounts, which is a relatively newer customer of ours, but let's compare and contrast sort of the differences between these two businesses. So like I said before, very similar kind of models. I mean, they're both in the consumer product niche, so to speak. I mean, they sell products to consumers, but they do have a physical products division and then more of an information publishing uh, business on both sides. Okay. They both offer publications. So very similar models, but very different results that we're seeing right now. One which is in the housewares and cooking niche and the other one, which is in the supplements and fitness niche. And I think we've sort of like by an analyzing the differences between the two, the tale of two ad accounts, tale of two cities, to quote Charles Dickens here, we've never done that on perpetual traffic. I guess this is the go. first time for everything. Didn't read that until I think junior year in high school. That was only a hundred years ago. Uh, but the point is, is that there's some really stark differences here. And there's two big things that we've analyzed that show their differences, but also things that you should think about as a business owner, especially if your ads aren't performing right now. So, Ange, let's take a look into both of these ad accounts. Maybe the first point, which you had mentioned before, was really landing page copy, the whole after-the-click experience on the page itself. Maybe we can do a little compare and contrast between uh, the company that's extremely successful right now with tremendous results and the one that's sort of still trying to figure out like how to approach cold traffic and, and how to achieve their KPIs. So one of the, the big differences between these two is, is the user experience once they've clicked on an ad and the ease to get to checkout. And the one that's doing well, there's very little distraction on the website. You click through from an ad, you get onto the product page. It's super easy. Add to cart. Then there's a couple of suggestions. Oh, you might also like this, but not in a distracting way. They can very easily get to the checkout. There's no pop-ups uh, to get in the way. There's no drop downs that people have to choose. It's, it's so simple. And that's just the, the easiest, quickest way to get someone from clicking on an ad to making that sale. In contrast, the, the newer customer that we've got, there's lots of pop-ups on the website. There's, you know, multiple choices for each product that you have to, you know, select and go through. So quite a few drop downs and thinking about that experience on mobile, which is going to be the majority of your traffic from Facebook. That's, you know, really quite confusing. And then there's no options to upsell or cross sell anything uh, when they get to the checkout. So all in all, it's like just a much poorer uh, user experience. And what that results in is very low conversion rates. And I don't care how good your Facebook ads, if your conversion rates are awful, you are never, ever going to get to your goals. You know, they have, they both have to work in synergy. You have to have good front end metrics on your Facebook ads and then good conversion rates on your website. Otherwise, you're just pushing an elephant uphill. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing 
his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddies Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Yeah. And with both of these customers, there's a really big, big difference. And we just sort of went through it prior to hitting record here and just tried to envision ourselves as the customer, both on mobile. We pulled up the mobile, I forget the, the mobile app we always use on the Chrome extension. I think it's mobile, mobile slash responsive web design tester. And we'll, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes because it's a really easy way for you to envision how your page looks, how the experience is on desktop. A lot of us running Facebook ads are probably running them through your desktop. And, but you really should check not only your ads on the mobile experience before we set any ad live, we always send it to our mobile phone to take a look at it, make sure that it looks and it renders correctly. But this little app here actually gives you a pretty good idea of like what it looks like inside any of the Android devices. Most of the iPhone devices, you can also click inspect as well, right-click inspect on Google Chrome, and then that will allow you to open up sort of a pane, which then shows how it looks in mobile. But remember, 80 to 90% of your traffic on Facebook and Instagram, especially Instagram, if not 100% on Instagram, is mobile. So always look at the user experience. And this is one of the last things I think a lot of businesses do. It's so simple to do this, and so many people miss out on it because they're looking at it on desktop, because that's where they're running their ads. That's where they're typical creating a lot of their landing pages or writing their ad copy or putting their you know, ads manager notes or their, their post copy into their ads and the Facebook ads manager. So making sure that that experience is, is a good one and distraction free will sometimes allow you to troubleshoot some of these conversion issues. And as we went through this, both on mobile and as well as on desktop, there are a lot of distractions on the site where we're not getting the conversions because there's just too many decisions to make, too many distractions, too many hover pops, too many exit intent pops. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Sometimes simpler is better. And if you look back to episode 166, which is an oldie but a goodie, where Tanner Larson talks about why Facebook traffic is not your problem. He actually talks about this in great detail, especially with e-commerce businesses. So you could definitely go back to episode 166. It was only 200 or so episodes ago, but uh, still advice to this day, which is relevant and useful and stuff that we look at all the time. We're not a CRO or a conversion rate optimization company. 
Tanner and his company definitely do that. So definitely check them out over at Bill Gross Scale. But the point is, is that you need to look at your user experience all the way through. And we're looking at these side by side on split screens. It's like, oh my God, no wonder why when people click to this page or to this site, they're getting 0.001 conversion rates, or maybe I'm adding a zero on there, but it's abysmally low. And it might just be because the user experience is so distracting, not to mention uh, slow load times, which is also an issue for these guys. But the point is, is looking at this and trying to troubleshoot what's happening after the click. When I click my ad, what actually happens on my iPhone? Like, are there hover pops? Are there privacy footers? Are there, you know, that wheel, wheelio thing that comes out of nowhere and clicks? Like, like everyone uses that thing. But the point is, is that you as a user should be going through the actual experience that your potential customer, if you're running ads for yourself, or your agency should be doing this if they're running ads for you to grow your business. And so the second thing that we were looking at in comparison with them was the willingness to try different front end offers on your ads. And the, you know, the one in the homewares and cooking space, initially they, they had one offer and that, that was all they thought they wanted to run traffic to. They had an e-commerce store and they were like, no, you know, we're not interested in running to the e-commerce store. Obviously we were like, what? You need to be running to your e-commerce store. And, you know, they've come to the party and they are now, incredibly active in trying low price, high price, different front end offers in the the goal of acquiring a customer that they can then continue to sell to. And, you know, it's huge. You know, I think, you know, Ryan Dice has been, you know, talking about this for years. Well, not even the person who can spend most to acquire a customer wins, but even just that, like giving people different options to, to come into your business and get to know you so that hopefully they will then buy more. Yeah. And allowing people the opportunity to not really make a full commitment. You don't have to buy, you know, the entire kit and caboodle. Maybe you can just give them a little taste or a little sample or a smaller size before you go to the full priced offer. I mean, this is going back to Ryan Dice Funnel Blueprint 101 from 10 years ago, where it was lead magnet to tripwire to full priced offer the psychology is still the same. Does that funnel work well today like it did way back then? Yes, it does in a lot of cases, but the psychology is very similar. And the fact that maybe you have a $7 priced offer prior to the $70 priced offer. If you're going to sell $70 worth of goods or your entry point for your product is in this case, $40, which is significantly higher than the rest of the market, you might want to think about using a smaller size or actually having a sample pack, which is what the company in the housewares and cooking industry did so well. They had a sample pack of a specific type of spice where you didn't have to commit to any one singular spice. All you had to do is get the sample pack and they probably sell it at a break even, if not maybe a little bit more profitability-wise, but you're not asking for the big buy. You're not asking for them to buy in bulk, and you're not asking them to commit to any particular flavor. So the idea is sell the sample pack, acquire the customer, and then make your profit on the back end because now you've acquired that customer through Facebook. And ostensibly, if you have a good product, something that actually works, something that tastes good in this case, they're going to want to buy it over and over again. Maybe not all five in the sample pack, maybe one or two, or maybe none. 
But the point is, is you're giving an easy entry into becoming a customer for your business. And that's the key to winning on Facebook. And then being able to spend more or having the ability to spend more to acquire that customer is when you really crush the competition. But that's probably for another show. The point is here is that look at Facebook is not as necessarily a profit center on the front end. If you can structure your business in such a way so that you have a low priced offer with a low level of commitment, create the customer, buy the customer, maybe a break even or better, then as long as your product delivers on the promise, you'll create lifelong happy customers in higher LTV or long-term value. If you've got a good product, all you really need to do is get it in their hands. So what's the, the kind of lowest barrier entry to get your good product in someone's hands, knowing that once they get it, they're going to be like, yep, yeah, this is good. I'm going to buy again. Great customer service, good product, good offer. Yeah, we were talking about this before. My family and I went to Hawaii probably four years ago, five years ago. And we went into some shop and I forget what town we were in and we bought this little sample pack for these spices. One is a steak spice, a chicken spice, and then a seafood spice. We just bought one packet and, you know, the seafood spice is all right. Chicken spice is okay, but the steak spice is like killer. And ever since then, we've become brand evangelists for this company. And it, in fact, we just gave like an entire case of it to my brother-in-law. So, cause he's like, oh my God, Ralph, you're such a great cook of, you know, steak. And I'm like, it's not really me. It's the spice, but hey, I'll take credit. The point is it all started with a $10 purchase. And I would guess my wife has probably spent five or $600 lifetime in the last three years just on this one spice. And it started with a sample pack. And the other two, yeah, we still order them, but the the steak spice is absolutely killer. I guess I'll have to leave a link to the, in the show notes for that spice. Um, but the point is, is like- Get your affiliate the, link. Get my affiliate link. <laughs> I'll have to contact them. But the point is, is it's the same thing. I'm not saying like we're geniuses for figuring this out. This is human nature. Humans need to like test a little bit before they fully commit. If you're going out there and selling, you know, a $40 product in a very crowded market where all your competition has- you know, a, a carton size that's maybe half yours, but half the price, they have a strategic advantage because they are allowing themselves to acquire a customer at a lower price point. And then the ability, they're giving themselves the ability to sell over and over and over again. And if your front end offer isn't working, maybe it's because of how you're actually positioning it. You're trying to get them to commit to marriage or at least engagement on the first date. Okay. It just doesn't work that way. But so if your offer isn't working, think about it from their perspective, especially if you're in a crowded space. Now in the, in the homewares and cooking market, we just so happen to have a really good offer. That's pretty unique. Yeah. Are there other offers out there like it? Absolutely. And the one in the supplements and fitness space, it's not quite working yet, but it will, <laughs> provided you know we continue to work at this and do all the things that we're talking about here on this show. But it's in a very crowded space where they are the most expensive in the market. And everyone has one. Every supplement company has the same front-end offer that we have that we're trying to sell at a full price without a real sample pack. Especially if you're selling on Amazon and you're selling it at the same price or lower, then you know really consider what that means for a customer. People are so used to buying from Amazon; they've got Amazon Prime. They know that they can get it uh, free shipping, and if it's cheaper for them overall to buy on Amazon, 
guess where someone's going to buy something and you're going to miss out on that sale from your own website. So, you know, that goes hand in hand with with whatever offer you've got and, and how much you're selling it, if you also have a presence on Amazon. Yeah, I mean, a ninja tactic that a number of our customers have used in the past is whether or not they're in a competitive market where there's a lot of parity from a competitive standpoint, or they have a product that really is unique. Now in this space, in this supplement space, there's always sort of the blend of ingredients which gives you an advantage or a disadvantage or a perceived advantage. In this market that we're talking about here with the supplement company, they're basically all pretty much the same. But if you could actually get a sample, a smaller size sample into the hands of the end consumer, they'd realize, oh my God, this product is actually really different than all of the others. But at a higher price point, you're never going to get that realization. But the easier thing to do is to just click off the site, which is what we you know, are, are looking at here, and go and get it for 33 or 40% less over at Amazon. And I can deal with that with Prime. And I know, you know, I know Amazon. I like the pitch that maybe I saw on my Facebook ads feed about the product. And now I'm getting it through Prime. And you know, they have that recurring thing in Prime. I always forget what the name of it is. So I can, you know, if I want it every month or every two months or every three months, it's, there's flexibility there. So look at your presence, not only on your site, but also where is your price point on Amazon and set your strategy accordingly. And like I said, so one of the, the smarter customers that we uh, work with here at Tier 11 typically will have a premium price point on Amazon. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case for every single product, but you might want to consider the pricing issue there because people are opening your browser to go to your site and then immediately clicking over to Amazon to see if they've got the same thing at a better price through Prime. So the next thing, the difference between the, the, the two is the creative. So really focusing on having lots of high quality creative to sell your product. Now, particularly if they're higher price points, what's been working really well in the homewares and cooking are teach and pitch videos, what we call teach and pitch. So they're showing the product, showing it in use and how you can use it and then pitching at the end for the sale. That's been working really, really well over any image ad in the higher priced cookware. But what we're also seeing is that images can work really well for the lower priced offers. So when it's less of a decision for someone to make in the feed, then you trying lots of image ads, but, you know, again, making them good quality, not just your, you know, standard like product on a white background, actually make them enticing, make them interesting in the feed so that someone wants to actually consume it and click and come over and buy. Yeah. And remember, like the higher your price point is, the more selling and convincing you need to do in the newsfeed and or on your lander where you're sending traffic to. So in the case of the homewares and cooking company who has the sampler at a low price point, image ads, carousel ads work pretty well. Yeah. Do we have some, some video ads that are sort of mixed in there that show how it can be used in certain recipes? Absolutely. But the heavy lifting in the account right now is really through image and carousel ads because of that lower price point. So it's prompting to get the click. And then once you actually click through the website experience, like we said before, and point number one is super simple. There's not a whole lot of distractions. It's like, do you want this or do you not want this? Add to cart. And when you add it to cart, other people bought this, like a recipe book, a lot of other things, like it's just simple, logical sequences. You don't need to be a conversion rate expert to figure this stuff out. 
but definitely go and look at your experience all the way through on desktop and on mobile. It'll be amazing how many things that you just sort of pick out immediately that say, oh my God, that's something that distracts a buyer. A distracted buyer who is interested in a product is a buyer that is a now a potential buyer instead of an actual buyer. Mm. That person, chances are, are going to get distracted. I mean, you're only a browser click away from learning what the Kardashians are up to, everyone. So not that I do that anytime. I've never, I don't actually know what they do, but I know people search them a lot. The point is, is like there's a lot of distractions on the web anyway. So make your site as distraction-free as possible. Make your site super simple as much as you possibly can. And if you do have a higher price product, yeah, you might want to do the teach and pitch kind of video. And in the homewares and cooking niche company, they do have a higher price, $60, $70 product that they sell really effectively. They're dealing with some inventory issues right now, but they do it by having the spokesperson sort of show how great the thing is, right? Yeah, totally. If you're trying to sell something on Facebook, it, it's getting more competitive. You know, it's getting more and more competitive. You know, not that you have to go and spend a fortune on getting high production video created. But if, if you've got a product, invest in getting some video of it in use so that you can really give that experience to people. It's really important, you know, video these days, particularly for something that is higher priced. And then along with that, it's kind of a similar thing, but it's really been able to do small batch tests, been willing to do those lots of tests on Facebook ads and pivot quickly. So, you know, if you've got a, a new product or, you know, a different flavor to one, a product that you've already got, be willing to do those small batch tests quickly, see if you can make it back out on Facebook ads and then pivot if it's not working and, and pivot, you know, pivot what the offer is, pivot, you know, how many of the offer you're, you're showing front end in Facebook ads, really be willing to put that work in in your ads to see what you can get to work for you and to make you some money. In the case of the homewares and cooking company, these were offers, the one that's really doing well right now with the sampler pack they got in very limited quantities about a year or so ago and had to kind of work through some of their sourcing issues to get it to the point where now we can scale it up, which is great. So you don't want to say, hey, I'm going to sell this new thing, this new sampler, and I'm going to fill my entire warehouse with it. No. As Eric Ries says in the Lean Startup, start with small batch testing, just like Angela said. Don't, you don't have to commit hundreds of thousands of dollars to inventory. Just test something out very quickly. This is why oftentimes like drop shippers might use this methodology to test the concept for a product before they build a full on Shopify store. Like do these things in small, minimally viable product batches and then figure out ways to scale up. Figure out how you can work your suppliers to make the economics work. This is exactly what the homewares and cooking company did and they just did it with this higher price product and now hey the initial test went really well really good video that was done by the spokesperson now we want to get more inventory and scale this sucker up and see what we can do with it and then the last thing is know your metrics and then on this is kind of something exciting which a lot of people will have now but some won't is the ability to use custom metrics 
in Ads Manager. So it's I know it's a feature that's been rolling out. I, I only got access to it this week. So uh, the way that you'll know if you have it is when you go into your columns in Ads Manager and uh, customize columns up the top, you'll have the option to create custom metrics. And one of the ones that we were always looking at in ads reporting is the conversion rate. So, you know, what is your conversion rate link click to purchase? What is your conversion rate from link click to add to car? All of those different metrics you you can now actually see them in real time in Ads Manager. So it makes it even easier for you to understand what is happening at any moment in time with your ads. So if we want to talk about the metrics, it's like, you know, your front end metrics there, like click through rate, what's your CPM? You always got to keep an eye on that these days because of election and, and lots of stuff going on. It's fluctuating all the time, whatever metric CPA or ROAS that you're looking for. But yeah, all of those different metrics in the funnel, really understand those and know those know when to kind of quickly identify if something's got legs, if something looks like it's going to perform well, or if it's really a dud and you just need to switch it off and try something else. What's the the custom metric that you particularly like right now and you advise the media buyers to add to their reporting? The conversion rate, conversion rate link click to purchase is the one, that's the big one. It's the one that we don't have full control over but it's you know and this is what you know we we're talking about at the beginning like making sure the landing page experience is good you know we don't have full control over it as media buyers but absolutely it is crucial to getting the end result that we want it's a huge part of the puzzle and being able to see that now alongside okay well what's the click-through rate what is the cost per click what what is the cost per add to car etc and then ultimately like the conversion rate are they actually buying when they get there because you know we see it often we get amazing front end metrics you know great click-through rate they're getting through to the add to cart but they're just not purchasing and so the ability to see that without having to go into ads reporting and do it or to to use another you know if you're using another tool to look at your metrics it's super useful having that in ads manager absolutely yeah that's a great one and that's been rolled out sort of piecemeal by facebook so it does everyone still have that now because some of our ad accounts do and some don't I believe everybody in the agency now has it, but prior to us, uh, we had to actually request to get whitelisted from our part, Facebook partner manager. Prior to that, I think maybe about 50% of us had it, but it, you know, I was super frustrated because I would be getting on one-on-ones with people and they'd be showing me their, their columns and I'm like, I don't have it. I can't, I can't even look at that view. So yeah, um, but check, check in your, your column view Get to customize columns, see if you've got that ability to create custom metrics. Yeah, well, I think that's a good what's working now update. Mm. Kind of things that we're using right now that really weren't in place in 100% of our ad accounts just a couple of months ago. So yeah. uh, great stuff here, Angela. And I think you know, no matter what business that you're in, I mean, obviously we we're talking about uh, a sort of a blended e-commerce with digital and publishing kinds of businesses here. The beauty of both of these businesses is that they actually do have a blend of both different types of offers, which is really cool. In the supplements and fitness niche, they actually have books and educational products that could be in a front end, and then the supplements can be on the back end, which is really sort of the main goal here because the front end offer is actually far more unique than the physical product, even though the physical products are really unique, you just have to be able to test them and try them yourself to really see the difference. So if you have that combination of products, we have a number of businesses that we work here in tier 11 with, that gives you a strategic advantage because you, you can really think strategically about like, okay, how do we get this would-be customer into our funnel? What's the easiest, least friction way in which to do it 
And sometimes it's the digital products and the info and the publishing, and then it's the physical products on the back end, or maybe it's both at the same time, like what we're doing right now. But we've, you know, it's taken us a, a bit of time to really figure this out as the customer's inventory changes, as, you know, they sort of uh, come to the understanding that, hey, we're an e-commerce store. We can actually sell physical products to a cold traffic audience, kind of like what Tier 11 told us a few years back, which is great to finally see it really come to fruition. But look at your business holistically and your product mix. And with this episode in mind, Think about the best way to approach people who don't know who you are. How are you going to bring them in? How are you going to acquire a customer? Because that is the goal of Facebook ads. Facebook ads is not an ATM machine where you're just getting a three to 10 return on ad spend every single day. Sometimes it is that easy. We love that. But in the vast majority of cases, it's like, how can you acquire a customer and then sell to them over and over and over again? So... Thank you, Angela Ponsford, for coming on this week's show and uh, bringing it as per usual and what's working now. This has been episode 271. So make sure you head over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Check the show notes that we have for you. We're going to put a lot of links in there as well as I'm going to get an affiliate link for that uh, steak rub that I use that everyone, maybe I shouldn't because that way people won't actually know that I'm not really that good of a cook. It's just <laughs> like this one rub that works. Everybody seems to like. Uh, so head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast for all the goodies and resources. Thanks for coming on Perpetual Traffic once again, Ange. Thanks for having me. Until next week, see ya. Bye. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. 